Hey, Anna, remember that time Katherine Johnson gave West Virginia a good name? Remember that time in historical podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about their favorite moments in history. And today we're gonna talk about Katherine Johnson. Woohoo! Continuing our Black History Month episodes. Yes. Um, of which we I realize there are only like two because we are bi-weekly <laughs> podcasts, but we can still have a theme. Yes, yes. I'm very excited. Me too. Should we really quickly do a drink update? Oh, yes. It's water for me, as per usual. Um, I today am having a healthy beverage. I'm having uh, some tea with honey. Hot tea oh, with lovely. Honey. It's pumpkin flavored. Ooh. Um, it's quite good. I just ate ramen for dinner, and so, like, everything still tastes a little like the beef broth, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Oh man! Wow. Here I am. Yikes. Um, we should also note that while we are recording this, I'm being super unprofessional, and I have <laughs> coverage of the Penguins game up on my television. Um, I will try very hard not to get distracted, but I just want to give everyone a quick heads up. <laughs> but know that if you shout with joy or frustration, I'll probably leave it in. I won't shout. I'll I'll do my best not to shout. <laughs> This is fun. I can't believe this is the first time you are having to watch a hockey game while we are recording. Well, we usually record a little earlier in the day. That's true. But so. still, it's you. <laughs> but I don't control hockey schedules. That's fair. That's so, fair. I can't believe we haven't recorded while I've been watching a soccer game. That, yes. I yes. used to record another podcast that I, I was on um, while watching soccer games all the time. Yeah, because you guys would record in, like, the middle of the afternoon. No, like, mid-morning on Sundays. Mm. And that's because I watch English soccer. It's, like, the afternoon there, but it's morning time here. Right, right, right. So. (laughs) Wow, what a fascinating story. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about the thing that we're here to talk about. Yes, we're going to talk about Katherine Johnson. Are you ready to get into it? Super ready. All right. So, Katherine Coleman is born in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, on August 26, 1918, to Joylette and Joshua Coleman. Joylette is a great name. Isn't that an amazing name? I read that and I was like, yes. It's a really good name. So she's a West Virginia native, just like us. Oh my god, just like us. One of the few pride and joys that we have. Yeah, right? And it's only to a certain extent, really. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she is the youngest of four children, which is, I can't even imagine. It's, I mean, I know people had more, but that still is a That's lot. That's a lot. I think about our grandpa is the oldest of seven. Oh, gosh. And I think about a that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's too many. That's so many. And he he basically raised all of them. Yes, because so. he was the oldest of seven. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Um, her mother is a teacher, and her father works at the Greenbrier Hotel. That's so fancy. He does lots of, like, lumber work, handyman work, that kind of stuff around the hotel. Hi, um, listener, have you been to the Greenbrier? It is beautiful. I know I've I never can... been to the Greenbrier. Well, you've seen it, because we were um, over that way a couple summers ago. Um, yeah. But 
It is. It's huge, and it's, it's massive. really pretty. It's like too big for West Virginia. You know what I mean? Like I and too it, my famous. Brain, like people yeah. know what it is. When I so okay, being from West Virginia, <laughs> yeah, being from West Virginia. When I mention something from West Virginia, nine times out of ten, nobody knows what it is unless I am talking about WVU, so Morgantown. Or the Greenbrier, basically. Both of which will be touched on in this episode. <laughs> Sometimes New River Gorge. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I mention the Mothman and they know what that is, but they don't know that it's a West Virginia thing. So. That's a big one. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Anywho. That's just the first of West Virginia rants. <laughs> I know. There will probably be a lot. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> so at this time, Greenbrier County doesn't offer public school past eighth grade for African-Americans. So Catherine and her siblings go to high school in Institute, West Virginia, which is a great name for a town. I think it's like like a unincorporated territory, but still. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> Their high school is on the campus of West Virginia State College, which is one of the two historically black colleges in West Virginia. Wow, two whole colleges. Two whole colleges. And we have a lot of colleges in the state. Uh, we have a good amount of colleges. We have a fair amount. I mean, for the size of our state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Catherine shows a lot of math skills and is super, super, super smart from a really young age. She enrolls in high school when she is 10 years old. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's like all the kids that would go to, what was it called? Tag, talented and gifted. Uh-huh. I was a tag kid. I know you were. I was not. <laughs> and every time they'd leave school... Okay, if you don't know what we're talking about, there was a program when we were in elementary school for the talented and gifted children, quote unquote, um, which was basically like all the smart kids in your class. And they would get Mm -hmm. to leave like school for the day and go and take these other classes that were like special smart kid classes. And Amanda got to do them and I didn't. (laughs) But really, I think it's fine because I think I would have been teased a lot if I were a tag kid. Mm. I have been learning a ton about Talented and Gifted because it's uh, part of one of my disability classes for uh, mm. education because it isn't like – it's not a disability through the stuff that gives kids with disabilities like extra educational stuff, but it gets lumped in because it's a similar like – Program. Program. Structure. Yeah. Yes. It's very interesting. Anyway, that was a – Yeah. I'm, I'm not totally for it, but that's a conversation for a different time. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, uh, so she graduates high school at age of 14. So she starts at 10, graduates at 14, and starts attending West Virginia State. She <sighs> takes every single math course that they offer, oh and some of her mentors even start making new math classes for her. Well, because sure. Because she takes them all. She just eats them all up. She probably gets bored. Yes. Oh my God. Probably. She was very smart. She graduates in 1937 at 18. With degrees in mathematics and French. And French? I didn't know that. Yeah, me either. I didn't know that until I started looking into it. I don't know why, but like, sure. Well, you gotta have a little variety, I guess. (laughs) If you're taking every single math course, you gotta have something something else to do. Yeah. (laughs) She moves to Marion, Virginia to start teaching at a black public school there, Mm -hmm. which is like wild to me because she was the age that some of her students probably were. Yeah. And was teaching them because she was so smart. At least not much older than them. Yeah. And that's brave to go to Virginia Mm -hmm. as a a black teacher to teach. Even Mm -hmm. if it is a black public school, it's like it's 
brave to go to Virginia to teach in a public school. Yeah, to, and to go on her own, too. Yeah. Because this was before she was married. She just went, like, she got offered a job and she went. At 18. Mm-hmm. That is just, uh, that's amazing. She's my hero. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she marries James Globe in 1939. That same year, she leaves her teaching job to return to West Virginia to start graduate school. Because she needs more school. <laughs> yes. So, in 1939, West Virginia University is starting to integrate its graduate program, and Catherine is one of three black students chosen and the only black woman chosen to enroll in the graduate program at WVU. Now that I knew. That is so, so cool. And also wild yeah. that it was only, like, 1939. Yeah. And there were only and three th- black students. I think that they were only three because they were starting the integration, so they were, like, going to start small. No, but it, isn't it sad that it took yes. that long to start integration? Yes. She leaves the program after a year because she gets pregnant and decides to focus on her family for a few years. So she decides it will be too much work to try and stay in the graduate program and raise her children. So she leaves for a little while. Uh, Catherine and James have three daughters, Constance, Jilla, and Catherine. Lots of Constances on our show. Um, For me specifically. (laughs) My theme is... Your theme is people's bodies being found and, and moved. moved much later in life, and mine is the name Constance. This is much more tame than mine. <laughs> and only has, like, two occurrences so far. Yeah. But I, that doesn't mean there won't be more. Less of a theme, more a coincidence, but that's hardly yes. the point. Yours is fully a theme. I know. Not on purpose. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> So she is a stay-at-home mom for most of their childhoods, but when they get older, she starts teaching again. Good for her. In 1952, Catherine finds finds out that the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, which is the organization that would later become NASA, is hiring mathematicians, which is what she wanted to do in the first place, but she was just teaching because there weren't very many opportunities for women or black women in STEM fields. Sure. So she finds out they're hiring. The Langley Laboratory in Hampton, Virginia, hires her in 1953 to join a group of black women mathematicians known as the West Area Computers. Hmm. Because they called their mathematicians computers, which I love. I love that. I do, too. I just think that's really cool. I'm going to read a little quote here because I think this is really interesting. At first, Catherine worked in a pool of women performing math calculations. Catherine has referred to the women in the pool as computers who wore skirts. (laughs) Their main job was to read the data from black boxes of planes and carry out other precise mathematical tasks. Then one day, Catherine and a colleague were temporarily assigned to help the all-male flight research team. Catherine's knowledge of analytic geometry helped make quick allies of male bosses and colleagues to the extent that they forgot to return me to the pool, (laughs) she said. (laughs) I just thought that was really interesting. I love that. I do too. I love everything about her. She's so cool. (laughs) Same, same. So her job for a long time was like looking that what it said in there, looking at black boxes and other like trajectories of planes and they like analyzed a lot of data none of that makes any sense to me why i just i don't understand logically or uh i guess logistically how any of that works like that is beyond my realm of comprehension oh yeah and always will be i can barely do basic math (laughs) 
<laughs> but the concept of a black box to me is like so I don't get it. I don't understand anything about it. I mean, I understand <laughs> like on a very basic level. Yeah. But if you tried to get me to so if somebody came up to me and was like, "Anna, what's the black box on a plane?" I'd be like, "Uh." Uh. <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, it's the punchline of every joke about <laughs> it being the only thing that wouldn't be destroyed in a plane crash. Uh-huh. I, I got it's nothing a, it's else. It's the plot of an episode of Doctor Who. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's because that's what I always asso- associate black boxes with now, is that Weeping Angels episode of Doctor oh. Who. Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy. <laughs> so Catherine is reassigned to working with the Guidance and Control Division of Langley's Flight Research Division. This division is staffed by white male engineers, and federal workplace segregation is still in place, so Catherine has to eat in a different area and use a different bathroom than her co-workers. And I don't know how many of y'all have seen Hidden Figures, but there are scenes where she's, like, doing her work, and then she has to run across the campus to the bathroom that is for black Yeah, people. like, she has to leave the building that she's in and go to another one just to go to the bathroom. And there's, like, a point where she's doing this, like, really important stuff and she takes, like, a really long break and her boss is like, why were you gone so long? And she was like, I had to go to the bathroom. And he was like, what? And she was like, I literally had to go to a different building to go to the bathroom. That is incredibly absurd. It is buck wild. Yes. She also had to work separately from her white co-workers so they couldn't even work in the same room as each other. And her office was labeled the colored computers. I just don't... I do... Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, I I just get very frustrated by this idea of essentially quarantining certain people. Yes. I, ugh. Yes. Welcome to Black History Month where Anna and I get very frustrated. Uh, It's frustrated beyond words. Like, I cannot even form how annoyed I am. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, all of that segregation was literally hindering her work. Of course it was. So they hire people. To do a job, and then they do things to keep them from doing their jobs. You, I mean, you would think that... I don't know how to describe, like, what I'm trying to say. It's like, <laughs> as a person, she is not valued. But you would uh-huh. think, because her work is so highly valued, that they would at least put emphasis on that. But they don't, mm-hmm. because she is so not valued that it yeah. doesn't even matter that she's doing the most important work. Yep. Like, yep. And like of all of the places for a black woman to work in the world at this time, this was probably one of the places where that segregation wasn't even that bad. Right. Like, you know, a different, and she has talked about how like she was so determined to just get on with her work that she like really didn't notice it. She knew that it existed. She knew that it was frustrated, frustrating, but she just didn't really notice it. She just put her head down and did her work because she was able to, because it was a place where the type of, workplace where you can just put your head down and go to work and that's kind of the whole point and she had a little more freedom to do that and she multiple times in her career was selected to work with people who are outside of her specific grouping that she especially was able to put her head down and do her work but like largely that's still like is just wild (laughs) wild Mm -hmm. so she works from 1953 to 1958 doing this similar work and we'll talk a little more about that in a minute but in her personal life 
Her husband dies of a brain tumor in 1956. Ugh. Yeah, I know. It's very yeah. sad. But she remarries three years later to James Johnson. So that's where we finally get Katherine Johnson. Sure. <laughs> Full name. In 1958, the NACA, which is where she works, disbands and is incorporated into the newly formed National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA. NASA. So it's mostly the same organization, but they make some changes. They're now focusing on space more because the space race is on. And now it's the title of an Ariana Grande song on her new album. It, it sure is. <laughs> mm, mm, excellent. Really good. Thank you for that. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. <laughs> when I saw that that was a title, I was like, ooh. And it's ooh, good. What we get into here, girl? It's good. <laughs> yes, it is. So when NASA forms, it is desegregated. But Catherine and her peers still experience discrimination for both their race and their gender because it wasn't enough to be a black person in this time. It was also that she was a black woman, which was just like nearly impossible to get anything done. It's a miracle that she was able to do the work that she did at all. So not only are they desegregated when it when NASA forms, NASA also begins using digital computers when they're formed. So this changes the nature of Catherine's job a lot. Those computers start doing a lot of the work that she's done before and so her work becomes more like checking their calculations and like working to make the computers work better Mm. yeah because they really were not that uh functional when they first started using them there were a lot of issues with them can we talk about computers for a second yes computers now are so vastly different from computers when i was very small and it's wild to me how rapidly it all changed yeah. Because you probably don't remember dial-up. No, I don't. And I for sure do. <laughs> <laughs> the noise it made when you would try to get on the internet. And our computers mm-hmm. were massive. Yeah. I mean, well, these computers bigger, took obviously. up whole rooms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Whole rooms. But isn't that so strange that it was a device that used to take up a whole room and now we can literally hold it in our hands? I'm using it now to do this. Wild. It's so accessible now. It's very strange. And she made them Looking- work better. Uh huh. It used to be that only NASA had computers, you know, and like now here or we like all are. Or like universities or whatever. I mean, yeah. they used yeah. kind of computers for um, breaking the codes in World War Two. Yes. Yes. Ooh, there's an episode. Ooh. Oh boy. Sorry, just distracted. <laughs> um, Added to the list. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it. But even that wasn't like. It was another one of those massive. Took up a whole room computer. Like mostly manual, actually. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's mostly manual. It's, it's, yes, it's very interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about the computers in a little bit. So in 1960, she co-authors a paper about calculations for an orbital space flight of a spacecraft. And this is the first time that a woman from the flight research division has been credited as an author for a research report. Wow. Isn't that really cool? She's a pioneer. Yes, she sure is. So this is a quote from her about working on this paper. I was working with Ted Skopinski. Yep, that's it. Great. And he wanted to leave and go to Houston. But Henry Pearson, our supervisor. Oh, it was such an easier one. I know, I tripped on it. Um, He was not a fan of woman. Kept pushing him to finish the report we were working on. Finally, Ted told him, Catherine should finish the report. She's done most of the work anyway. 
So Ted left and Pearson with so Ted left Pearson with no choice. I finished the report and my name went on it. And that was the first time a woman in our division had her name on something. Good for Ted. <laughs> yeah. But better for Catherine. Good job, yeah. Catherine. <laughs> I love that she was just like, I just kept working on it because like, what well, else what was else I gonna do? You do? Yeah. And and I feel that's the life she's used to. Uh huh. Uh huh. God bless. She would end up authoring or co-authoring 26 papers during her career. Wow. That is just, she is so cool and works so much harder than I ever will in my oh entire my God. life. Seriously, I barely want to work to do this. And I like doing this. <laughs> so true. But setting it, it all takes, up, it's like, ugh. It takes so much time for me to do research on things that I like. And already know a bit about. Yes, and she did that. <sighs> She did all that math and, like, wrote a professional paper, and I I can barely write two pages of notes. I barely want to work for the job I get paid for. (laughs) Yes. And I don't dislike my job. It's just, ugh, it's exhausting. Uh Uh-huh. And she just kept on going. So in 1961, she calculates the trajectory for the space flight of Alan Shepard, the first American in space. So she worked on the team who made that happen. Right. In 1962, NASA was planning on using electronic computers to calculate an orbit around the Earth, which was going to be flown by John Glenn. That guy. That guy. (laughs) John Glenn had been a part of the Mercury 7 flights, which was another project that Catherine had worked on. They were like shorter space flights, and it was like America's first like group of astronauts. And he remembered working with her. And he asked specifically for Catherine to check every calculation the computer did by hand. Damn right he did. Yeah. Because I would have the, too. Computers, the computers were so unreliable and they would like black out and make mistakes all the time. He was like not putting his life in the hands of those computers. He put his life in her hands specifically. I would have too. Yeah. He, he has been quoted, this was like Catherine remembers him saying, if she says they're good, then I'm ready to go. <laughs> I love that. I just think that's fantastic. Love it. And because of her calculations, Glenn became the first American to orbit Earth. He went around Earth three times. That one I knew. <laughs> yes. In 1969. That's when we went to the moon. It is. This is this is about the moon. Sorry, I just had to make an Even Stevens reference there. Do you remember I that knew. episode of Even Stevens? I, I barely remember it, but you reference it often enough that I remember it. Sorry, we had some connection problems and we had to restart. Anyway, I was talking about that iconic episode of Even Stevens where they yes, did a okay. musical episode and uh, they like all had the flu. And I remember because it was called, like, Influenza the Musical or something like that. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. Ren, the sister, has, like, a report due about the moon landing. And she's, like, sick when she goes to school. And all she can remember is that we went to the moon in 1969. So all she sings is that we went to the moon in 1969. Not 1970, but a year sooner. And then later she sings it as not 1968, but a year later. And she just keeps singing that over and over again. Sis, I think that you have referenced this same thing on this podcast. Have I? Already. I don't know. Yes. It's a very big moment in my life. (laughs) And I think about (laughs) it often. I vaguely remember that episode, but I remember it more because you reference it. Sure. Which is kind of the story of my life. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) 
So, yes, in 1969. When we went to the moon. Uh Uh-huh. She works with the team that calculates the trajectory of Apollo 11, which is the flight to the moon. So, she helped us get to the moon. In In 1969. Not 1970. But a year sooner. Oh, no. She also works on the Apollo 13 moon mission in 1970. And when the mission is aborted, it is her work on the backup procedures that helps the crew return safely to Earth. She, like, helps map their return to Earth. Man. So we had technical difficulties again. I was just saying that um, she really gave us, like, all of our space exploration. Uh Uh-huh. It's amazing. Yeah. Because she, she was working there when we were in the middle of the space race and she was just the most skilled person for that job and she worked on every team that got us into space basically that's amazing from when nasa first started to when she retired she worked on basically every mission amazing just think that's so cool i do too (laughs) so after working on the apollo 13 mission she also ends up working on the space shuttle program and plans for missions to Mars before she retires from NASA in 1986. Wow. So she worked there for math 33 years. Make her proud. Do the math. <laughs> yeah. Do quick, some quick math. 33 years with NASA. Well, with the NACA and also NASA. That is a long time to work in any one place. Yeah. She was good at her job. So we're going to jump forward for a little bit because I think after she retired, you know, her life was mostly pretty normal. In 2015, Barack Obama presented her with the Presidential Medal for Freedom for her work in opening doors for African-American women in STEM. As he should. It was, I just think that is so cool for so many reasons, but especially because our first black president got to give her that award, I just think is wonderful. And she so deserved it. And it's just... Amazing. I got to this, when I was like doing my research on her, I got to this point where I was talking about like her recognition recently and I just like started crying because I got very (laughs) emotional about it. I just was like, I just think that she's incredible. She is. Because, you know, she retired in 1986 and it took us 50 years to recognize her at all for her work. More math. That, it, that is just wild to me. <laughs> I mean, I understand why, but just like, wow. Yeah. It's the kind of work that goes unnoticed, too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It, like, already was the ki- kind of work that went unnoticed, and especially because she was a black woman doing right. the work, it went very unnoticed. Exactly. In 2016, NASA opened a 40,000-square-foot building named the Katherine G. Johnson Computational Research Facility. What a word. At the Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia, which is where she got her start, which I think is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. In that same year, uh, Margot Lee Shetterly published Hidden Figures, the American Dream and the Untold Story of the Black Women Mathematicians Who Helped Win the Space Race. That is a long title. It's a long title for a book. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about Catherine and then also Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughn, who were two other women who worked with her on many of these same jobs or similar jobs and in that same year i didn't realize that the book came out the same year but that the movie did but the movie adaptation of it came out just called hidden figures shortened the title sure it's a movie (laughs) Uh, yeah i didn't realize it came out in the same year that's quick it was really quick turnaround she must have been helping them 
with the, the movie as she was writing the book. Yeah. Because there's no way it would have come out as fast otherwise. No. I really want to read the book, though. I want to learn yeah. all about her. Put it on your list. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia State University announced plans for an endowed STEM scholarship in honor of Catherine and a lifestyle statue of her on campus. Wow. Which is very cool. I have a very tiny statue of her on my campus. I was going to say, it really one-ups the one that Wesleyan put on theirs that's just a little tiny. I love our teeny tiny Catherine It's like literally on a pedestal Mm -hmm. outside of the math and science science buildings. Yeah. It's great. And she di- fully didn't go here, had no connections to Buchanan. Like, there's no reason we should have that little statue of her, but I love it. Yeah, so I, I it. still don't know how it ended up there specifically. Me either, but, but I'm into I, it. My best guess is that an alum wanted it there. Yeah, probably. Like, after that movie came out, an alum probably donated to have it built. Um, in 2018, she received an honorary doctorate from the College of William and Mary. It, which is, I assume, near where she lives in Virginia. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And now Catherine lives with her husband in Hampton, Virginia. They have six grandchildren and 11 great-grandchildren. And she is 100 years old and still going strong. Get it. Isn't that I, just fantastic? I wonder if she's one of those people who, like, has a secret to living to 100. You know, every time they ask someone, like, how'd you make it all the way to 100? They're like... I drank a Dr. Pepper every day, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I smashed racism in the patriarchy every day. <laughs> and, it, and it kept me going for a hundred years. Seriously. But that is Katherine Johnson and her wonderful, amazing life. I loved learning about her. I just think that she's so cool and just the best person. <laughs> Maybe we'll do some more, like, history about West Virginians in the future. Yes, absolutely. I want to do more West Virginia and West Virginians. Yeah, for sure. Um, so next month is Women's History Month. Yes. So we'll have some good episodes for women's history specifically. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what's after that. We haven't planned that far ahead. This is very far ahead for us to plan. I cannot believe we have... <laughs> We had two months with at least a concept. A theme. Yeah. <laughs> a theme. That, we're going to have to start looking up stupid holidays or something just so we have a theme to go by. All right. Sorry this episode um, was so short, everybody. Amanda's having some really serious internet issues, so we're trying to keep it a little short to to get her wrapped up there. So next month, Women's History Month, if you have questions comments concerns uh you can send them to remember that pod at gmail.com you can also tweet at us at rtt pod and you can find us on facebook under remember that time if you want to follow me across all platforms i am at the real anna web and i am at acw nerdfighter nailed it we did it yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of i'm sorry we don't have any like end of the episode stuff and it's going to be really short i just literally cannot hear anna at all which is super unfortunate so i'm very sorry about that i can literally hear amanda perfectly fine but she can't hear anything i'm saying nope so i can hear every other word so i'm very sorry that we're keeping this one so short and we're not doing anything fun at the end all right amanda it's your turn oh is it okay Mm -hmm. well then i think i don't actually know i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it's my turn all right so until next time remember that time (laughs) 